Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to our very, very first podcast for Test Him. Um, my name's Toby Trice. Um, I'm one of the co-founders, and I'm sat alongside Ian Stones to my right and uh, Michael Close to my left. How are you guys? You guys good? It's cool, isn't it? This yeah, is great. it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. pretty special. Um, this is a this is a big achievement for us, a big moment for us. Um, we're hoping to um, you know, record these on a on a kind of monthly or so basis, um, talking all things male fertility. Um, so, shall we chat sperm? Let's talk sperm. Yeah, let's talk sperm. Let's go. <laughs> so in today's episode, um, we're talking about um, common misconceptions in the fertility industry. Um, this is a really interesting topic to kick off our first podcast with because there are many, many, many misconceptions. And uh, yeah, um, I think we should kick off with a couple of them. Mm. What do you think is the biggest one? Um, I don't know. What do you think is the biggest? <laughs> I'm going to throw you in the dark here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest misconception is that fertility is a female issue. It's a big one. You know, yeah. um, I think that is probably one of the biggest issues in the whole kind of industry, isn't it? That, you know, well, let's just, you know, get the woman tested, do all the tests for her. Um, the guy can do a semen analysis and, and that'll be fine. And just that that belief in society that fertility is a female issue and that the guy yeah. just has a semen analysis and that's fine. Um, but there is so much more to it. And we know how many men globally have an issue with fertility and that, you know, 50%, you know, it's a 50-50 split, isn't it, between men and women? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it really pains me knowing that kind of, you know, that misconception is there because, you know, when you go through, as a patient, you go through this fertility journey, um, you're pretty much watching your partner become a guinea pig and getting tested all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's quite depressing to see um, actually get them go through so much. But equally, it's also depressing the fact that you're not really being looked at as a bloke yourself and you're not really cared for. I mean, I remember when, when we were in our early days of um, of going through fertility treatment, and just to give you kind of a, a bit of a backstory here for those that are new to this podcast, um, you know, my partner went through all of the, the NHS recommended tests that she did. Um, and, you know, she was obviously got a, a clear picture of kind of how her fertility was, how good it was at that point. Um, I had a basic semen analysis, and do you know what? I thought that was it. I was like, okay, that's, that's what I need to do. It doesn't seem like there's much going on there, but um, it came back relatively normal. But little did I know, sort of, you know, fast forward five, six years, that there's so many more tests that guys can have done. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that, like, that leads on to the other misconception that just because you've got some means that you're okay as a guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, we know, is, is not true, is it? So... You know, yep. um, you know we, what we know now f through some of the tests that are available is that what actually happens in the NHS is actually quite substandard in many ways. And actually giving misinformation to, to patients who think actually it's okay and leads them into a journey which um, can be quite, uh, quite a devastating journey, both mentally as well as, you know, um, the impacts that we have, that has on people. Yeah, and I think um, I think you know what you just said there about kind of you know you've got sperm, then you're okay. That that literally rings true to my story. Um, I think pretty much every semen analysis that I had done under the kind of NHS system and through into IVF was pretty much okay. I had sperm in the right quantity. I had them swimming in the right direction. Um, my morphology was borderline okay, but not not you know you know that was the one that slightly dropped, but. I was always told at the time, okay, that's fine, we'll just do ICSI. Um, you'll crack on and do ICSI. And, of course, rabbit headlights, you, you're going through through this process with all the hope and you just don't really question it. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, that I did a DNA fragmentation test that actually, gosh, my sperm was pretty broken. Um, I had really, really high levels of DNA fragmentation and that sperm that was measured, that looked okay on paper on a generic 
standard semen analysis actually was no good yeah. and therefore I wasn't able to conceive. So yeah. um, it's quite a big one. And that's something I hear all the time in yeah. my clinical practice is I'll chat to, might chat to the couple, but typically I'll be working and chatting with the woman and I'll be, you know, how's your partner? Is your husband had a semen analysis? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the clinic has said, oh, yeah, no, he's got great. He's got super sperm. It's like, right, okay. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we know, it doesn't, you know, you can have a perfectly excellent, you know, semen analysis, but it doesn't actually tell you anything about the integrity of the sperm and the ability for conception to happen. Correct, yeah. You I know. mean, it, it's amazing, actually, because when you look at some of the science elements of, um, you know, um, what we know now know, um, and certainly what's been reported in quite large journals, including ESHRAE, which is the European sort of Society of Human Reproduction and Embryology, um, you know, back in 2017, they actually identified that where couples are still having problems naturally trying to conceive after two years, even with a normal semen analysis, that there can be significantly impaired um, sperm function um, as cut as characterized by um, DNA fragmentation tests, sperm DNA fragmentation tests. So it goes back to what you were saying, Toby, is that um, you know the misconception is that even though you've got a what appears to be a, a normal semen analysis um, with all the right WHO parameters, World Health Organization parameters, actually it doesn't mean anything if you still can't conceive. So. Yeah, it's just made me think of one of the other big misconceptions, and this is one that gets me quite worked up. Go on, is <laughs> that IVF or ICSI is the answer? Ah, yeah. yes. Oh well, yeah, look, yeah. okay, you know. So again, I hear this from couples. Well, his yeah, no, his, yeah. motility wasn't very good. His concentration's not so good. Um, not in terms of his mental concentration, concentration of his semen analysis. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. We'll just do ICSI. And it's like, oh man, that's not. That's not necessarily the answer. It has got its its um its place definitely, but that misconception of ICSI is the answer. Mm. Well, it, it's an interesting topic that one because ICSI has been around for nearly thirty forty years now, mm. and and actually has been the tool um, to overcome some of the normal physiological uh, challenges that sperm have in in fertilizing eggs. Um, but the misconception is there is that. You know, uh, ICSI is a procedure to treat fertility. Yeah. It isn't actually. No. It's not. It's, it doesn't treat fertility. Um, it treats the sperm. Um, you know, in in terms of bypassing the normal fertilization process. Um, but there will still be underlying issues that's there um, in the man, which is mm. resulting in you know the lack of um, fertilization capabilities. Um, and and that really is the topic that needs to be addressed is what are we doing to actually identify the issue in the man rather than trying to treat the sperm? Yeah, quite. Yeah, um, and I think I just want to kind of touch on here from a kind of society perspective about, you know, IVF is, is the answer. You know, I remember when... Remember when we were kind of going for our first round of IVF, and we were telling our you know close knit of friends and people around us that kind of knew what was going on. The amount of people that were like, "Oh, amazing, great, you're gonna have a kid," and mm. it was like at that mm. time it was like, um, "Yeah, don't work, uh, work, you know, yeah, it's not always guaranteed." And and actually, the the thought of going to IVF was a really daunting process because yeah, success rates are as we know quite low. Um, and you know, for us, the two rounds didn't work. We had two miscarriages really early on, so it was a really difficult thing to accept. But you know the fact that people just think, yeah, IVF is is um is your fix. It's um it's not necessarily. I mean, it is the right treatment for some in some mm. occasions, but absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like you say, you need good quality sperm and good quality eggs to make that kind of stuff work, right? 
absolutely yeah and what is quality at the end of the day you know mm. i think that's the the other misconception is is like how do we measure quality and and what should we be measuring um i think there's a lot of knowledge about what quality looks like but do do we actually um, practice that in the real world and do um we where we entrust our um, you know, our, our well-being with fertility clinics and our financial um, elements to it and, and, and so forth, are they actually doing as much as they possibly can do um, to, to actually help us as guys, as well, mm. you know, from, from that point of view? I think about a conversation we had earlier today. The other big misconception is, I've only got to have unprotected sex once and she's going to get pregnant. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Crikey. Um, but you know that uh, you know education is you know something that's always going to be on our agenda, isn't yeah. it? That test him. Um, but yeah, you know what you learn as a teenager. It's like right, okay, I know how to put a condom on a carrot, and apparently if I have sex with a woman once, that's it. She's going to be pregnant. You know. Yeah, I remember the fear of God being put into me at like sixteen, going for my sex ed, and it was like, you know, as soon as you literally have any any kind of intercourse about protection with a woman, she'll just be pregnant and your life's over. I remember that kind of really vividly. <laughs> and I was thinking, gosh, oh no. as a frightened 16-year-old, gosh, I must be really careful. At the time, I was with, yeah. with my partner, Katie, and uh, I was like, yeah, maybe I need to be really, really careful. And, <laughs> oh, you know, that, that one mistake might might lead to, mm. to pregnancy. And it's not the case for everyone. Yeah, it's not the case for everyone, is it? And, um, you know, one in six of us, actually, is it one in six, one in seven now, um, that go through struggles so actually it's um, a high proportion of people it, it I mean that's really interesting that one because the statistics are out there so everybody knows about diabetes for ex- for example and and mm. uh, how that impacts people's lives but I put a lot of people won't know that it's exactly the same number of people that experience male fertility issues mm. it's about or in couples is about one in six one in seven something like that so that's that it's it, when you l- add up the stats in terms of the global issue or even yeah. the local issue here in the UK um, it's a massive number of people that it will impact and how many of those actually um, get investigated properly. Uh, it, it's scary, isn't it? And, and how many of them know know how to get investigated or, or what they yeah. should even be looking at? Yeah. You know, the vast majority of them don't know anything no. because they're not, they're not being told anything. Well, the, the other interesting concept here is, is about family planning. So if you talk about family planning, you would automatically assume that it's about trying to prepare to have a baby, isn't it? It's about planning for your fertility future or something like that. But mm. actually, it's not at all. Family planning is about preventing, mm. um, you know, sort of fertility. Um, very true. You know, isn't it? So, uh, so that's another misconception about family planning clinics yeah. is not about trying to plan for a baby. <laughs> it's actually trying to stop you having a baby yeah, yeah. in the first place. So, yeah. you know, how do you get the education the other way around about proactively um, mm. what to do um, to have a baby, you know, naturally or through the assistance of, of technologies that are available? Yeah, and I think kind of that education, you know, sooner sooner in life it would be better because certainly through, through my experience, you know, I kind of lived right through my early 20s just being able to, expect to have a child when that time was right when Kate and I decided right okay let's let's try for a family mm-hmm. we'll have a baby within the year and we'll move on and grow old together and watch our children grow up and actually when you get faced with the fact that actually that's not possible mm. it's a really scary thing isn't it and I think if we can kind of change and transform education so that you know more people can be aware of it um, then at least when one goes through a difficult thing like facility struggles mm-hmm. um perhaps society around them would be a bit more kind because quite often um one of the things that that, that patients often experience and, and i'm talking firsthand here is that 
you know, you'll see friends and family and, and they know you've been together in a relationship for a long period of time. And the amount of times people will go, oh, when are you, go- when are you guys having kids? Mm. Um, is it about time you have a child now? And like you, your grandparents will be like, oh, you know, isn't it about time you start trying? Mm. And, and deep down you're going, yeah, it's been five years. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. No idea. Yeah. yeah. If only you knew. Um, and, and that is a really hard thing to live with. And I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast that, has, that are currently going through particular struggles themselves, I'm pretty sure that will resonate with them, right? It's, um, Absolutely. it's a really difficult thing to, to deal with because when you're at your lowest um, and you're struggling with this, you don't really want to be trying to justify yourself. You just want that support naturally there. So if we can help educate people um, earlier on in, in kind of fertility, then perhaps society will be more kinder. Mm. Well, I think that's what we're trying to do, really, is trying yeah. to remove these misconceptions, isn't it? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, to remove some of the stigma that's attached to, you know, fertility challenges, both male and female, it's a couple issue, isn't it? So, you know, I think the more that we, we understand about misconceptions and try and, you know, realign self-awareness and education, that's only going to do, you know, a positive thing, isn't it, for, for anybody that's going through um, fertility challenges at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Or, or people that are supporting people that are going through it, like you say, Toby, that they're not yeah. putting their foot in it and saying, oh, you haven't had a baby yet. You know, <laughs> better crack on, time's yeah. ticking, you yeah. know, yeah. which doesn't help. Um, but that actually leads me on to another one I've just thought of. Go on. Uh-huh. Um, the age doesn't affect male fertility. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. No. There's another misconception. There is yeah. a massive misconception, uh, you know, and I think we, we've seen it in the media, haven't we? There's mm. there's a lots of superstars that have had children late, you know, um, like Mick Jagger, for example, and, mm. and various other celebrities that have been around the block. Was it Charlie Chaplin? Was Charlie Chaplin was probably one of the oldest ones, was wasn't eight, he? 80-something, yeah. wasn't yeah. he? Was he really 80? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's a massive misconception that, uh, you know, you can still father a child at any age. That absolutely is not true. For for some genetic composition of, you know, uh, of guys, it may well be true. But um, the, the general knowledge is that, you know, our sperm quality will decline over age as it does for women. So, um, so yeah, very big misconception there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got loads coming to mind now. So I, <laughs> I want to write some more. The tap's open. Yeah, yeah. I want to write some more news articles for the website about kind of sperm myths. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess these are misconceptions. So yeah. we could get into exercise and cycling and smoking and all that. I mean, we could be here for for weeks. Yeah. Um, but you know, you get you know, you can get into things like you know, penis size and testicle testicle size. Yeah. Is, is that a thing? You know, do I need to worry that you know? My balls seem a bit small, yeah. you know, because guy, but because guys won't talk about that, will they? Well, no, yeah. and 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 actually, people don't get checked, do they? You know, no. um, and that that is a real big one because it, it's a really interesting one or a as small well. one or a small one. <laughs> <laughs> what you need to do is get checked and find out whether it's a big <laughs> or a small one. Absolutely, <laughs> and they always didn't used to talk about the uh, the rule of thumb. That rule of thumb is always uh, depicted as uh, as the testicular size that um, that urologist I, you uses. Know what? Like I, did I did not know that. Did I you d- not? Know I that? didn't know this. Please oh, explain. Tell, tell us about thing. the rule of thumb there you go so the rule of thumb is is really when you put your thumb up um really what you're what you're looking at is um measuring your testicle size um based on the size of the the the, the size of your thumb so if i put my thumb next to yours toby it's not been anywhere near my testicles by the way but on average they are very very similar in size but so his Michael's were slightly Michael's bigger than slightly bigger than mine. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe slightly. We, we all know what we're going to be doing tonight <laughs> when we get home. So, so, so just so for context, so people that aren't tuning in via video and seeing this as a uh, listening to this on their on their smartphones or in their earphones, we're basically pinching the, the top of your nail to the first knuckle of your thumb, and we're comparing sizes and. Uh, yeah. Currently around the table, I think Michael's biggest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that might not actually reflect the true uh, reality. No. Uh, so, but, but yeah, yeah, like I say, as a rule of thumb. As a rule of thumb, urologists would use their rule of thumb to actually gauge whether you're of your testicular size. And clearly, testicular size would uh, determine how much um, you know you, how much sperm you would produce. Well, you say clearly, but really, would actually, a guy think no, to, uh, and understand that and even know that? Because no. I mean, that was news to me. Know, probably within the last year or so, mm-hmm. but it, but it now you know it makes sense to me because I understand sperm production. But yeah, that yeah. you know your testicle is your factory. That is where the sperm are being produced. Yeah. So the bigger the sperm, the bigger the factory. Therefore, the more oh, the bigger the testicle rather than the bigger the sperm. But sorry, uh, yes, yeah, so I said. <laughs> I'm glad you're listening. Yeah, there we go. The bigger the testicle, the bigger yeah. the factory. Therefore, in theory, you should be producing more sperm. I, exactly. Yeah, um, and I think that's one of the things that you know guys should be aware of. Really, is mm. you know if you haven't had a, uh, an examination, just go and get checked because that that could yeah. determine um, some of the reasons why we may have low counts or low concentrations, for example. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and don't be ashamed to go and get checked. Right? Don't be no. embarrassed. Um, I was when I did mine. <laughs> embarrassed. <laughs> Very embarrassed. But actually, do you know what? The the, the urologist that I saw was like, there's nothing to worry about. Like, I do this every day. You just have to think. That's it. Yeah. That's what they do all day, every day. Yeah. You know, yeah. doctors out there that spend their day looking at testicles and yeah. you know, gynecologists spend their day looking at vaginas. It's just, that's what they're trained in. Exactly. Yes. It's just Absolutely. the human body. Yeah, it's, it's natural to them, isn't it? So Yeah, exactly. But that's what this podcast is all about, guys, isn't it? It's, um, you know, removing these stigmas, um, breaking down the taboo and just kind of yeah, getting the support and talking about it. Yeah, I think if you can be comfortable talking about it in an open space, um, yeah. then more people hopefully will get the support and, and tests that they need, right? It's, um, I've got visions of so many men listening to this now, looking at their thumb. <laughs> <laughs> An education in itself. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, how, <laughs> how am I going to measure that? On, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll check later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seeing Instagram posts in the next few weeks of um, of one thumbs. of our thumbs. Then yeah, you'll yeah. Know, you'll know. We'll know th- those this podcasts. Yeah. Have gone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs yeah, up, yeah. everybody. Uh, <laughs> it could be a great little, uh, you know, little campaign, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah perhaps yeah. those that know. No, right? Maybe yeah, we yeah. should, um, yeah, if you if you listen to this podcast, maybe uh, post something on your Instagram stories with your thumb and share it with us at Test yeah. Him. We'll happily share your stories. That would be wicked on Instagram, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sort of like people sharing their, their thumbs. Thumbs so only. Thumbs only. Thumbs only. Thumbs yeah. only. Nothing <laughs> else. <laughs> Excellent. Have we got any more misconceptions that you can think of? Oh, I don't know. I could oh, we could it. probably write loads, couldn't we? We could. Um, what about from the clinical side, Michael? Because you've got that clinical scientific background. Are there mm. any misconceptions in that kind of realm? I think so, yeah. I think couples, when they go through to a fertility clinic, you know, um, and and certainly for the first time, you you know, you're putting your, um, you know, your faith in that clinic is that they're going to do the very best for you, and um, and I think the, um, you know, what clinics try and obviously try and do is to provide that reassurance and the quality that they, you know, that they have um, lots of examples where they've um, helped create lots and lots of babies. Um, but every case is individual, um, and you know it's a matter of um, misconception. Is that you know on average that most couples will conceive after three attempts. Mm. So you know, and and actually that is quite a tough one. So that means that success rates are actually only a 35 percent best mm. at best at yeah. best on the first time round, and that's really really challenging to try and get your head across. So. Um, so m- the misconception in my mind is that you know IVF is the answer, um, and you know you'll have a baby in you know mm. two to three t- attempts. Actually, that that is really challenging, even if you just go through one cycle. Um, yeah. You know, both physically and mentally. Um, so, so yeah, it's not an easy um, option for a lot of couples. Yeah, it's very true. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we're coming to our natural close of this um, misconception. Misconceptions in our very very first podcast. Um, wow. 
been a pleasure, my chaps. It's been good fun. It's yeah. been a pleasure. And yeah, thumbs up for this one. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, this is the first of many. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Um, we, we, we cannot wait to, to share more, more advice and more information for you through our testing platform. Um, if you haven't done so already, please visit www.testim.com um, for more information about male fertility and how we can help you guys out. But, uh, I guess we'll see you on the, on the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Perfect. Take care.